Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Concrete 101. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenzi. Who, what, when, where, how? You know, come on, people. I, you know, I didn't teach journalism at an Ivy League school. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have a sports JUCO degree from Syracuse or Northwestern. But for the love of God, um, man, everything is incomplete. How many stories did you guys see today about the Oakland Athletics and them leaving Oakland? All right? And how many stories, like, told you, like, when this could happen? None of them. Like, basically none of them. And it's pathetic. Like, they all pick up, like, a wire story, and then every stupid media outlet runs with the same crap, and then, and then Twitter blows up. Oh, they're going to move. Where are they moving? They're moving to Vegas. They're moving to, to, to Montreal. They're moving to Portland. They're moving to Vancouver. Uh, Oakland's moving. Oh, they're moving. Did you hear Oakland's moving? You know what? I don't know. Can people slow down and realize they have a lease until the end of 2024? <laughs> all right. Uh, so what are we in now? 2021? Yeah, you know. So basically, even if the Oakland Athletics did like actually pull the trigger on this and and leave Oakland, all right, even if the, the A's left Oakland, they would be playing somewhere else in 2025. All right? They'll be playing somewhere else in 2025. It's it's you know, a lot of things can happen between now and 2025. Uh, but, hey, people are all over this. I, You know, they could be doomed in Oakland. I think this is just basically a case in which, look, the, the guy that owns the Oakland Athletics is, is a billionaire a couple of times over. And like a lot of these billionaires, his personal wealth has skyrocketed during the pandemic. Right? So the guy's got billions of dollars, but, of course, he's pretending, hey, you know, a small market, I've got no money, I can't do anything with this. And they really could just build a stadium, but he wants to build a $12 billion complex, and they all do this. Well, it's not worth it for me just to build a stadium with your tax money. I really should get free condos and a golf course and a shopping mall out of this, right? Same crap in Hawaii. Oh, we're going to build an entertainment complex. Yeah, it's going to take you 25 years. And you won't even finish it then. And they knew it. What it is, these sports teams, Oakland, people of Oakland don't have enough money. So basically they're like, we're not building stadiums for a bunch of people that don't have any money to spend money in them. It's a cold world. Bring it. The only place to turn for expert sports gaming strategies and information. But we just call it The Edge. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh... <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. 
Everybody's got an opinion. Go ahead. Ask them. But only a few have an opinion informed by expert analysis and experience. It's called trust. It's why we're here. For you. Keep it here and get the edge. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Sports Grid Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Sports Rich Late Night continues, Sirius XM, Channel 204, Sports Grid Radio Networks. I am Gabriel Branzi. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates. Let's bring in one of our favorite guests, one of the best analysts in the business, CBS Sports, CBS Fantasy. You know who he is, damn it. Jamie Eisenberg steps up in it. Jamie, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, uh, Jamie, a lot of stuff uh, that I want to throw at you. So let's start off uh, with Aaron Rodgers. Every day there's a new report about uh, Aaron Rodgers' uh, unhappiness with the situation in Green Bay. And, of course, uh, now people have realized Devontae Adams is in the final year of his contract. Um, You know what? Uh, Drama isn't bad, and it's fun to talk about and think about Aaron Rodgers in another uniform and what team he can make better, specifically the Denver Broncos. Uh, But when it's all said and done, how do you think this plays out? Do you think that uh, Aaron Rodgers will be uh, throwing passes for the Green Bay Packers this year or another team? I still think he's going to be in Green Bay. Maybe that's me just, you know, being nostalgic and hoping that he gets at least one more season. They can go out, you know, not on bad terms and can go out with a chance to compete for another Super Bowl in Green Bay and become the first Packers quarterback ever to play a 17th season. Uh, Bart Starr and, and Brett Favre only made it 16, and Rodgers is in year 16 as well. Um, you know, I, I'm sure money's going to, you know, talk in, in this scenario, you know, whatever kind of guaranteed money he can get out of the Packers, that might help smooth things over a little bit. And, you know, maybe they hit the reset button after this year to still get at least two more seasons out of Jordan Love's rookie deal and see if they can make that work after, uh, obviously, what seems to be like a failed draft pick. But uh, he's clearly unhappy. He's unhappy with Dunkirk and, and, and the general manager there. Um, you know, maybe he just wants to change his, change his scenery. Maybe he wants to be closer to, you know, Hollywood because of his girlfriend, fiance, wife, whatever she may be. Um, uh, you know, so I, I think there's obvious reasons for him to want to get out, but uh, it sounds like the Packers and understandably so aren't going to be willing to trade him. And, and you probably would have expected that if there's going to be a trade, knowing that the Packers wanted to maximize his value, they would have gotten the draft compensation now. But clearly, a deal can still get done, especially after June 1st when the money makes it a little bit easier to move him. That's one thing that struck me as odd, uh, Jamie, as well. That if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're so unhappy, why did you wait until like the day after the draft uh, to start complaining about being uh, so unhappy if you really wanted out, if there was a deal uh, to be made? I agree with you. I, I think that he's going to end up um, remaining uh, in Green Bay. I don't think the Packers uh, want this. And I thought it was interesting that they, they sort of dropped that love is still a long ways away uh, right now. And I've been saying all week, Jamie, I don't know what your opinion is on this, but you know what? The Green Bay Packers are close. I don't know what the situation is behind the scenes, what has specifically upset him so much. But the fact of the matter is, Matt LaFleur has won 26 football games in his first two years. I mean, we're talking about a 13-3 and football team every year. It's a great situation. I mean, you know, he just won the MVP. It's not like he's playing poorly. Obviously, they didn't do the things that he would have liked them to do two years ago in the NFL draft to help build around him. But could you really blame them based on what he showed them the two or three previous seasons when he battled injuries, when his numbers were down, when he's entering his mid-30s? I mean, there were things that sort of said, okay, maybe it's time to address the future. Now, trading up in the first round to get Jordan Love, a non-proven commodity, you know, a guy that had some question marks coming out of college. You know, those things are certainly something that Aaron Rodgers are a little 
upset about, understandably so. But again, if you're the Packers, you have to sort of, okay, take a look at what's the long-term best thing for your team. Now they come back this year, and after he wins the MVP, they sign his left tackle to a big deal last year. They sign his running back to a big deal. Those are not typically moves that you see from the Packers. Obviously, they let the center walk. He's now in Los Angeles with the Chargers, Lindsley. But they did go out and make some moves in the draft, not necessarily the high-profile moves, especially the first-round pick in the cornerback, but they brought in a wide receiver, a guy that played at Clemson, put up some good numbers, happens to have the same last name. They did get an offensive lineman to hopefully help replace Lindsey. So I think if you're Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if there's necessarily a better NFL on-field scenario. You could say the, pack, the, the Broncos have better weapons and a better defense, and I'm not going to fight you on that. But they also have a, a series of losing seasons since Peyton Manning walked out the door. So... I know the grass sometimes always looks greener, but the Packers the last two seasons have made the NFC Championship game. Maybe they get a little bit better. Maybe they get a little bit luckier. Maybe the the cornerback doesn't pull the jersey of the wide receiver, or maybe they make the right call at the goal line and things go a little bit better this year. So um, he may not be happier on the field going someplace else, but he also looks at what Tom Brady just did. He went somewhere else and won a Super Bowl, so that could certainly happen as well. I agree with everything you just said uh, there, Jamie, and I also agree uh, with the last comment that you stated. And I think, um, and Tom Brady, um, Tom Brady brought that up that it was something that drove him and motivated him that Peyton Manning had a Super Bowl with two different teams. People see Tom Brady uh, do it right now, and you know Denver's just that team that makes the most sense, doesn't it? If it was to happen, I mean, I mean, it was thrown out there that Aaron Rodgers would play for the Raiders, San Francisco, or Denver, and I sort of look at. Denver as sort of like a Tampa Bay waiting to happen with all those weapons and just to get the right quarterback uh, in there. But let me throw San Francisco at you. Has that has that trolley left, uh, so to speak? Uh, has that streetcar? Um, have we missed that streetcar? Um, as you stated, like with the draft already happening, the 49ers maneuvered to get Trey Lance. Like, would it absolutely shock you if somehow Aaron Rodgers ended up with the San Francisco 49ers before all this is said and done? No, it wouldn't shock me at all. You know, again, I think you look at the teams that have the ability to win now, and clearly San Francisco, the only reason that they were drafting as high as they were, and we know they traded up to three, but they were still a top 12 team in the NFL draft, was because of all the injuries. You know, you bring back Nick Bosa, and you bring back Raheem Mostert, and a healthy George Kittle, and, you know, all the guys that fell apart there on the defensive side of the ball, and that's a, you know, Super Bowl caliber team with a coach that already got there and a general manager that's been aggressive. So the question becomes, though, if you're looking at it, you know, you could throw Miami in the conversation as well, another team that has a chance to be successful. Are you taking on the young quarterback for the 49ers who would be taking on Trey Lance for the Dolphins who would be taking on uh, to a ton of Iowa? What are you sending the message to your franchise and obviously to Jordan Love that you wasted this draft pick? So I think if they're making a trade, they're making a trade with the belief that Jordan Love is going to step into that role maybe with another veteran mentor. And so in the case of the, the, the two most likely teams, the Raiders and, and the Broncos, Derek Carr is the bridge quarterback for another season or two. And obviously yeah. Drew Locke maybe for a half a season until they feel like Jordan Love is ready or maybe it's Teddy Bridgewater. So um, the, those two teams, I think, make a little bit more sense if you're trying to acquire draft capital and not necessarily rocking the quarterback boat even more uh, to, to make Jordan Love upset about the scenario if you are moving on from Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, again, if you're the Packers and you really believe that Jordan Love is not ready, then maybe you should go out and make a trade with one of these teams with a young quarterback that still has the upside of what a franchise quarterback can be. Trey Lance, Tua Tungabailoa, one of those type of guys. The Denver Broncos on paper are a lot of fun, aren't they, offensively, though, right now? Uh, with the weapons that they have, a loaded backfield, quality wide receivers. Um, let's say it's Teddy Bridgewater that's getting them the football. Uh, how high are you or like what's your, or low? What's your opinion on the Denver Bronco offense uh, this year if it is Teddy Bridgewater? Or will it be Drew Locke? It's a battle, but they sure, they certainly have a ton of weapons, don't they? 
it's a great situation, and, and, and it's a great you know comparison you made about the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, obviously the, the receiving core is not as proven as a Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, and obviously Noah Fan is not at the level yet of what a Rob Gronkowski is. But there are a lot of nice young guys. You hope that Cortland Sutton coming off the ACL is going to be 100. percent I think that's the way that it's trending. Uh, Jerry Judy, you know, was plagued by drops last year, but I do think better quarterback play, whether it is a Bridgewater, uh, better Drew Locker, obviously and Aaron Rodgers is going to help. Noah Fan, you know, had a very good sophomore season, and I think could be better in his third year. Uh, let's not forget they drafted KJ Hamler in the second round last year. He's a guy that can fly and could be that deep threat. And then Tim Patrick stepped up last year and played really well in place of Portland Sun. So they have four legitimate wide receivers, uh, a playmaking tight end that can get better. Uh, you mentioned the run game, adding Javante Williams to Melvin Gordon. That's a good situation. You know, you wish that Jawan James coming off of the, the COVID list last year, you know, opting out was going to be healthy, but we know about his scenario of uh, the Achilles injury. and He's going to miss the entire season. So a little bit of a blow to the offensive line. But on paper, it's one of the best rosters in football. I think the only difference in terms of the Bucks comparison will be the coaching staff. Uh, everybody should want to go play for Bruce Arians. Um, I don't know if everybody wants but you know defensively clearly he's he's got that pedigree so it's going to be interesting to see what they do i i think it's going to be drew lock to open the season you let him build off the way that he finished last year seven touchdowns two interceptions i think in the last three games um and hopefully getting sutton back another year in the system with pat Shermer, the offense coordinator there that he takes that next step but having bridgewater as the backup gives them a little bit more security that if things don't go right and you have the defense in place with Von Miller back and all the changes that they made in the secondary that they can still be competitive. But if you're looking at it just overall, Aaron Rodgers, not Aaron Rodgers, you really want to compete against Patrick Holmes twice a season and go try to get, uh, you know, go try and overcome the Chiefs and Andy Reid. I don't know if I'm Aaron Rodgers. I want to go and do that. The Late Night Anger Matchbook Class continues. Series XM Channel 204. I am Gable Morenci. More with Jamie Eisenberg on the other side. Bring it. Sports gaming insights and expert analysis on daily sporting events. Information you can take to the bank. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Our goal is subtle. But profound. We want you, Sporto, to hold court at the company water cooler every Friday and Monday. Get it? That's the winning edge. All you got to do is listen. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Sports Rage Late Night Continuum Series XM Channel 204. Man, we've got football fever. We got all fired up uh, after the draft. And now, of course, uh, the win totals have been posted. Fantasy football talk has begun. And we're breaking it down with one of the best in the business, Jamie Eisenberg. And Jamie's not only one of the best fantasy uh, analysts uh, in the business, he's also a former uh, Florida Gator uh, as well. The Gator alum uh, in the house. So I've got to get your take on Urban Meyer, uh, Tim Tebow. And um, and what they're doing in Jacksonville uh, here right now. So let's start off uh, with Tim Tebow, and I'll ask you. I'll just cut to the chase. What the hell? What the hell are they doing? Uh, with, with Tim <laughs> That's a great question. If they want Tim Tebow around, fine, totally get it. Hire him as an assistant coach. What's your take on the Tim Tebow situation? 
I think he's almost going to make sense of the coaching staff. You know, he'll be a guy that can be in, you know, a couple different rooms, the quarterback room and, and obviously the tight end room. Um, look, uh, obviously I'm a little biased from what he did uh, in his college days, so uh, I, I don't like to speak ill of him. But he's, uh, you know, he's never played the position before. He's 33 years old. The last time he played an NFL game was nine years ago. And he didn't do a great job in that capacity when he was trying to be, you know, sort of a wildcat player. And, you know, they used him on, on some pump blocking situations and he couldn't even hold his own as a blocker there. So, um, you know, you, you never know what could happen. It's a tight end group that's clearly missing um, the type of, of player that you say can keep him off the field. But, you know, he, he wasn't that type of athlete. You know, he was a big physical guy that couldn't throw the football. And it worked in college for Urban Meyer. You know, maybe he's trying to recreate that magic. He's trying to sell some tickets and sell some jerseys for a guy that played in his hometown. And if you're, you know, taking a step back from it, if you're trying to take some pressure off of a first-year head coach and a, you know, rookie quarterback that's going to have all the spotlight on him, why not bring in the circus and let everybody look at the circus? And so if Lawrence is having some, you know, left shoulder issues after the offseason surgery or things aren't working right, hey, look, there's Tim Tebow, and everybody goes and runs over there. So um, it's, it's a strange move, but, you know, in, in the big scheme of what the Jaguars are, he's not going to make the final roster, barring something crazy. He'll yeah. maybe be on the practice squad. You know, from a gambling perspective, you're seeing numbers come out about what his season totals will be, uh, catches, yards, touchdowns, hammer the under, you know, because now's the time to do it. And uh, it's, it's really something I think that is more of a sideshow, more of a, you know, Urban doing his buddy a favor and, you know, Tebow trying to chase his dream, which, you know, it's hard to knock somebody for doing that. And, of course, Tebow is from uh, from Jacksonville. The thing is, too, I don't know, I assume he makes a hell of a lot more money than he would even if he made the team on TV, uh, as it is. But let me ask you, are you buying in uh, to Urban Meyer in, in the NFL? And it's funny because I was actually, I was thinking about Tim Tebow and, you know, how great he was and how, yeah, he beat Sam Bradford, how long ago it was. And I saw you tweet about when AP was the MVP, it was the year Joe Flacco, uh, when Baltimore won the Super Bowl. So we're going back a ways, but I was actually at that championship game, Tim Tebow uh, versus Sam Bradford in Florida and, and Oklahoma, and that was a long time ago. And I think I saw that he ran like a 4-7 back then, <laughs> actually. But let me ask you, Jamie, about, about Urban Meyer and about Trevor Lawrence's development. Is Because I was just thinking, I was like, man, imagine if Trevor Lawrence ended up with a Shanahan in a San Francisco or in a different situation. But here he is in somewhat of a sideshow uh, already. And with a guy with zero NFL experience, what's your opinion? Is Urban Meyer the right guy for Trevor Lawrence? How do you think this is going to play out early? It, it's certainly, you know, a questionable hire from the Jaguars just because, like you said, no NFL experience. But. You know, we have seen some guys that had success making the, the jump to college. Typically, they fail. Um, you know, I, my, my uh, uh, previous yeah. career covering the, the Miami Dolphins, <laughs> I, I covered, well, not just not Spurrier, but uh, yeah. uh, Jimmy Johnson, you know, when, when he went from the Cowboys yeah, yeah. to the Dolphins. So he was great with the Cowboys. He failed with the Dolphins. And so he's a great example of a guy that you know, made the leap and was successful, but uh, not the long-term success. And then, you know, I, I spent some time with Nick Saban with the Dolphins, and we know about that failure and um, his, his personnel decision of taking Dante Culpepper over Drew Brees. The thing that I like about Trevor Lawrence's situation is the offense coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. Daryl Bevel's been around. He's worked with, you know, numerous quarterbacks. The two most high-profile guys would be Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford. And those guys are very good. Brian Schottenheimer is the quarterbacks coach. We know about his history, and you know he's got a, a wealth of experience and knowledge. So I think having those two guys around Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, what he's done with quarterbacks. Let's not forget he helped Alex Smith get to the number one overall pick 
at Utah. He made Tim Tebow into arguably the best yep, college yep. quarterback ever. And I say that obviously biased, but, um, you know, he, he won two national championships, you know, really was one and a half, but uh, won a Heisman Trophy there as well. And then you know what he's done with the quarterbacks at Ohio State. So um, there are obviously things that you can point to and say Trevor Lawrence is in good hands, knowing that he's got a good offense coordinator, good quarterbacks coach, and good head coach. But there is a history of failure at the quarterback position in Jacksonville going all the way back uh, since Mark, you know, they've drafted guys, David Garrard, you know, good, not great. Obviously Blaine Gabbert and uh, Blake Bortles, you know about those guys. So, um, you know, this is a different player, different uh, pedigree, different, you know, prospect. So I, I hope that he steps into the situation and turns the Jaguars around and becomes the type of quarterback that everybody is looking for him to become. And hopefully that's the case and the Jaguars do the right thing in surrounding him with talent, which, you know, at least they've tried to do is spending the, the, the first round capital, even though it seems like it's a, a reach, you know, giving him a running back that he knows and Travis Etienne, bringing in a guy, Marvin Jones, who just played with Daryl Bevel in Detroit. And clearly, hopefully he makes something out of the guys that are there in DJ Tark and, uh, and Lucas Cushnall. Hey, you know what? You, you, you started to sell me a little bit there. If you're a real estate agent, I was ready to buy a property. I'm like, you know what? This place isn't so bad. <laughs> you were starting to turn me around. Um, let me ask you uh, about uh, Daniel Jones. And because, uh, you know, there's talk, oh, you know, that the Giants want to get Devontae Smith. Uh, and, of course, we know about the trade. So the Eagles end up uh, with Devontae. They end up taking Kadarius Tony. I don't know. I think maybe they could have just stood pat and just taken Slater or Vera Tucker and and beefed up, beefed up that old line a little bit. But they've quietly just, uh, you know, assimilated a stockpile of weapons um, in East Rutherford right now in the Meadowlands. But with that being stated, a lot of fragile type of weapons, and there's a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones to get it done this year from a fantasy perspective. I mean, the rushing yards were there uh, last year. He's an athlete. I'm actually a Daniel Jones fan, but I know the decisions, you know, just kill in the real world. But what's your opinion on this giant offense right now, which on paper, pretty damn good. But paper uh, paper can get torn up pretty fast in the real world. What's your take on the giant offense and Jones' situation coming into the year? On paper, like you said, it looks great. And, and you look at the, the blueprint of a couple of other young quarterbacks over the last couple of seasons, and you got to give the Giants credit for trying to follow something similar. So you saw with the Bills it, over two seasons, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs. They bring in guys to help their quarterback, and you, know, you, you see the, the maturation and what he became. Uh, Kyler Murray, what did the Cardinals do? They go out and they get DeAndre Hopkins and, and, and the blockbuster trade, you know, to, to bring in a premier number one receiver. So the Giants, they go get arguably the best guy that was available in Kenny Galladay. They spend the draft capital on a receiver, and it's not Devontae Smith, but Kadarius Tony is Kadarius Tony is a guy that can, you know, certainly make plays, especially with the ball in his hands. And then you hope that the uh, second year, um, you, you know, in the system and the, the health factor, which was big, for a guy like Sterling Shepard, uh, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, who was, you know, another guy with drops. And then the big factor is obviously Saquon Barkley and what the run game can do taking pressure off of the quarterback. So they've put everything around Daniel Jones, the offensive line, a little bit questionable, but they did get, you know, Andrew Thomas last year. So, you know, you can say they're, they're trying to build in that regard last season. So they're giving him every opportunity to go out and succeed, and now it's on him to go do so. So he's going to be one of those guys, I think, you know, fantasy and reality sort of marry each other here. He's got to prove it. And if he proves it, then the Giants are going to be thrilled with the investment that they made two seasons ago. And the fantasy managers that, you know, pick him up off the waiver wire, because he's not going to get drafted in one quarterback league. He's going to be a guy in two quarterback and super flex leagues that you take a chance on. But uh, you saw the big play 
ability two seasons ago as a rookie when he came in and he had the big game against Tampa Bay. There were three games with, you know, 30 or more fantasy points, and he was throwing the ball like, you know, a guy that looked like he should be a top-10 overall pick. And then last year, the fumbles and the interceptions and uh, tripping over himself while he was running for a wide-open touchdown, uh, it was it was a failure and a disaster. So year three is big for him. And if he doesn't succeed, then you're going to see probably Dave Gettleman gone and maybe Joe Judge as well. And it could be a whole new reset button for the Giants going into 2022. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. A um, lot of pressure. The Maros actually have spent money, and uh, they're, they're they're definitely impatient. All right, so listen, we've got about two minutes, so we'll get you out of here. Let's uh, let's keep it at the Meadowlands uh, right now. I've been talking about Zach Wilson. Seems like a nice kid, but man, you look at the division that they're in, and you look at the defenses that he's going to be up against at Buffalo, Miami, and New England. I, I just don't see how he's going to be successful. Uh, we got about a minute and a half here. What's your opinion on the Jets situation? And is he going to start week one? I mean, they got uh, James Morgan and Mike White on the roster. So is he starting week one, do you believe? I, I think he has to. Uh, like you said, the names that they have there, uh, it's going to be rough. Um, you know, this is a team. I, I like what they did in building the offensive line over the last couple of seasons, certainly with Beckton and, and uh, uh, you know, the kid out of USC that they traded yeah, up to yeah. get. Um, I like the addition Tucker, of yeah. Michael Carter. I think he's. I think it's going to be a nice, you know, uh, addition to their backfield, and, and obviously they have a guy in Tevin Coleman that that knows the system. Um, the, the the weapons around him, you know, Corey Davis is not a legit number one guy. Jameson Crowder's probably gone, so he doesn't have the premier playmakers that you look for. So it's going to be growing pains. I think you know, if you're the Jets and Jets fans and, and Zach Wilson fans, you, know, you hope to see progress by the end of the season, and then they move into 2022 when they're still picking high in the draft and you know able to you know still build that team. But it's going to be a growing you know type of year for them, and and, and you know, thankfully it seems like they have the right regime in place to allow that to happen but I think you, you said it best a kid and he looks like a kid he's probably gonna play like a kid and there's gonna be some growing pains for the Jets this season uh, Jay we got about 30 seconds here so let me ask you because I get two answers and nothing in between as far as the former Jet quarterback some people tell me I've got guys in Vegas I'm crushing Carolina overs Sam Darnold's gonna kill it with Carolina I've got other NFL people that tell me nah Carolina will be looking for a new quarterback next year uh, in the draft which group are you in I'm in the positive. You know, I, I love the move. Um, you know, Joe Brady's system, I think, is going to help him. I like the, the weapons that he has. You know, you know, people look at Bridgewater last year and the way he played. He did that with Christian McCaffrey playing three games. Christian McCaffrey and, and Mike Davis are two obviously different players. So um, the loss of Curtis Samuel, I think, is going to be, you know, felt a little bit. But, you know, Terrace Marshall is going to be a nice player. And I think Darnold steps into a situation that he has a chance to succeed. But the best thing is, no more Adam Gase. You lose Adam Gase, you win. And I think Sam Darnold is going to be in a great spot with the Panthers. There's the enthusiasm from Jamie on the way out. No more Adam Gase. Hey, Jamie, always love reading your work and fired up talking football with you. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Remember the good old days before you found us, got the winning edge, and started winning? Neither do we. Thank God. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Um... 
These days, it's hard to find something you can trust. Your car? Yeah, right. Trust takes time. And that's why we're here. 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. We are your trusted source for gaming, odds, and more. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Sports Grid Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Nobody wants to hear the nonsensical ravings of a loudmouth malcontent. Well, too bad because here we are. I am Gabe Marinci. Throwing it down on the late night anger management class. Thank you very much to Jamie Eisenberg from CBS Sports for joining us on the program. Sirius XM Channel 204. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates on the Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to everybody uh, joining us where, wherever you may be uh, this evening. So uh, there's a lot of talk about the Oakland Athletics and um, the Athletics relocating. Uh, but as we talked about uh, about uh, about half an hour ago or so, if you're just joining us a little bit, we didn't really fully get into this. But there's a, you're going to see this story, and it almost looks like, oh my God, the Athletics say the A's are leaving tomorrow, and they have a lease, like they're locked in until through the 2024 season. So in other words, even if they did move, which I think they probably will, um, I think they are going to move, uh, but it wouldn't be until 2025. So it gives it gives uh, cities an opportunity to to get ready. It's it's hard to just instantly host a baseball uh, team. All right, you got to you got to sell season tickets. You got to get sponsors. You got to get a stadium. Right? It's not it's not that simple. And also, Major League Baseball and their owners they don't like teams moving around. All right, like teams don't move very often. It feels like they do, but they don't. Not in Major League Baseball, all right? Um, if the A's did, look, put it this way. Only two teams have moved, all right? Only two teams have moved in the last 50 years. Um, the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers used to be in Washington, in D.C., and they they, they moved. Um, they moved to Texas. And, of course, the um, the Nationals. Um in which the Montreal Expos changed and became the uh, the Washington Nationals. So they don't like to do it. And it's not like they don't like to do it for stability and they care about fans or anything like that. They don't like to do it because if there's going to be new cities that come into the league, they want them to pay, right? They just don't want, like, an owner to slide into a new market. Like, look at the Raiders and what the Raiders pulled off. They went into a cash cow. They left a, a town with no money in Oakland, and they rolled into Vegas, which was an ATM machine. And what did the other owners get out of it? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So, it's a saying. And Manfred just said, they, they you know, they estimate that it's $2.2 billion for, for an expansion fee. And we also talked about this with Jason B. Takafin the other night, in which... It's um, the owners keep the money. The player, the the players like don't get any of the money if like there's an expansion fee. You know what I'm saying? So like if Major League Baseball charges two point two billion dollars to get into the league, that money gets split up amongst the other owners, and they don't have to give it to the players. Uh, the players in a new CBA, they're going to want, like, future revenue from, from expansion. So, like, you know, like, baseball has so much, like, on the table to work out. So, the city that comes up the most is Las Vegas. And Vegas is interesting because, you know, you look at the Raiders, even though they didn't have fans last year, you know this is going to be a big hit there. And, you know, it's going to be a big hit, but the one thing about football is, 
the NFL could be a big hit anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like if you took the NFL and and dropped it in New Mexico, whatever. Are you telling me the New Mexico they couldn't sell out eight NFL football games, right? So then it gets down to it's not well. Can you sell out the games? It's like no. How much money is in the town that we can we can fleece? Is the state and the mayor willing to pay for everything for us? Right? There's you know there's just so much seediness, man, that comes with all of this stuff, but. The, you look at the Raiders, you look at you look at the hockey in Vegas. The hockey is successful. The NBA obviously would be successful. They wanted to move the NBA to Vegas, but they had the All-Star game there years ago and a bunch of people got shot. I think Pac-Man Jones shot someone or allegedly whatever. Um, and, and it sort of turned Vegas off, but it's inevitable. It's inevitable and... You know, I don't want to be, like, simple here, but I, I do think Vegas, I'm not going to say they get the ace, but I think Vegas will have a Major League Baseball team, except we should add that there's a caveat here. It won't be Vegas. It's going to be Henderson, which is actually a different city. It's a different mayor. It's, a, it's different taxpayers. It's different cops. It's, like, it's different. You know what I mean? It's so it's not, it is Las Vegas, but it isn't. Henderson. Out by Green Valley Ranch, NEM and stuff. There's a lot of land out there. They talked about building a football stadium out there in the past. Um, there's been talk about a baseball stadium out there because there's a minor league stadium in Vegas, but that's not that wouldn't suffice. So yeah, Vegas wouldn't surprise me. Portland, Portland is another one. Portland comes up quite often, guys. Here, so. Like And I, I bring this up. It's not just about the A's, but it's about the future of baseball because they're going to want to bring in more revenue, man. If they're, Look, they want to bring in two more teams, like not one. It has to be two at once. So that's $4.4 billion, guys, for, for 30 other owners. It's a lot of money, right, that they get for doing nothing. <laughs> like, oh, sure, welcome, Portland. What? Oh, yeah, I'm getting $300 million for this? Great. Sure, welcome, welcome aboard, right? So they want, they want markets. But the thing is, the fact is, it's not as if though there's a long lineup of cities demanding baseball teams, right? It's almost like a massive free agent or something where your market is limited because you have to be big enough. You can't, like, they can't move this team to a small town that doesn't have sponsorship and money and television deals and all that. Otherwise, it won't work, right? You can sell tickets, and it could be smoke and mirrors for a couple of years, but it'll implode. So I do say Vegas will have a team. I don't think it'll be Oakland. Like I said, Oakland wouldn't leave until 2025, guys. All right? So... I do believe that I do believe it's inevitable that all four major sports and all five, I think MLS as well, uh, will be in Vegas. Portland is interesting, and Portland comes up often because um, they actually do have money. Um, there's a dude that's like uh, one of the big Nike executives. You know, you got Phil Knight, but there's like you know one of the other big CEOs, whatever, has racked up a lot of money over the years as well. And so he's got, like, Nike type of backing, and he's got big big money on his own. And, you know, they could, they could have a Pacific Northwest thing going with, uh, with Seattle. Vancouver comes up, but that's not happening. 
um, there's not the demand for Vancouver to build a stadium. I've seen Vancouver's name come up a couple of times, but I do believe that Portland is a legitimate contender. Not for Oakland, but for an expansion team. For an expansion team. Now, Montreal has come up a lot, so much so that uh, the Expos were trending today on Twitter. Um, dude, hey, Montreal, hey, what about Oakland and Montreal? The thing is, and listen, there's an ownership group in Montreal. They have money. Um, Mitch Garber used to be with Party Poker. He owned the Cirque du Soleil. He's big into cryptocurrency, etc. He's a, he's, a, he's a very rich entrepreneur. Um, they have Brothman, which is Seagram's is involved, who were the original owners. So there is an ownership group together in Montreal. The, the government and the city, etc., um, wants to bring baseball back. They're pro sports suddenly. Like, they're all, like, they got the World Cup going there. Um, they're big on, like, uh, they're big on putting Montreal back on the map, uh, so to speak. But I can tell you what, the ownership group of Montreal, they don't have $2.2 billion and had money to build a stadium and everything after they're waiting to poach the Tampa Bay race. And it's interesting because people talk about Oakland and you can say, well, listen, and Major League Baseball's already agreed that they can play an Olympic stadium until they build a stadium. So, like, Major League Baseball would let the Rays leave tomorrow, right? And that's the whole thing why if you're an Oakland A's fan, you're kind of screwed right now, and I've seen this firsthand. Once the league publicly says, yeah, 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 you can, it's done, it's done. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you see now, like, with Tampa, the owner of the Rays, wants to move to Montreal. And, you know, the mayor of Tampa, see, St. Petersburg's always crying and writing letters to baseball and stuff. And Manfred gives them the cold shoulder and says, you had years, it's too late, it's done, I can't help you. Good luck. Right? So that's what Oakland, Oakland's going to get the cold shoulder from baseball soon. Hey, Mr. Commissioner, what about this? He's going to be like, I got, I, you know, he's not going to take the call soon, right? That's the way this works. And the thing with Montreal is, I don't believe they're ever going to build a stadium in Tampa. Look, guys, the Rays made it to the World Series, nearly beat the Dodgers, and people still didn't care. All right, like they don't, they'll never care. Like it's just one of those deals. It, Tampa's not a baseball town. It's not like a baseball market. Man, and then it's like, oh, they hate the Dome if you had a stadium. Yes, true. It's You know, it's ironic. They're going to move to Montreal, and Montreal have the same problem. Oh, we love the team. We love the sport. We just hate this stadium. We hate the Dome because it's cold all the time, and we don't want to be inside this concrete uh, hellhole Dome uh, during the summertime. And now in Tampa, it's too hot. So they had to build a dome. And people are like, oh, it's beautiful. Though. Why would I want to be in this crappy dome? If you built an outdoor stadium, I would go. You got to love the irony of this. Right? So, and it's the same thing. Tampa have been good over the years, guys. And they've never built a stadium. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're not going to build a stadium when your team is good, like, I think the Rays could win the World Series and they wouldn't be like, oh, we're building you a stadium. They're not going to do it. They're not doing it. Like, they, they're not doing it. The owner knows, and the owner even knows, even if we built a stadium, people wouldn't even come after. So what's the point? So the owner of the Rays, as you guys would recall, and Kurtz, remember Kurtz said, oh, it'll never happen. And, but Manford was said, sure, go ahead. They were going to split the seasons. They were going to play like 40 games in Tampa and 40 games in Montreal type of thing. 41, 41, whatever. 
right? And people thought it was ridiculously stupid. And um, But they were dead serious about it. And I do know that the Montreal group has told baseball they're not into an expansion team. They don't have the money. Basically, like they're like, no, 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 we're not we're not bidding on an expansion. And like, you know what I mean? We'll, we're going to wait for a team that wants to move here. And they have that team. And that team is Tampa. The thing is, Tampa is locked in until 2027. So if you're Montreal, do you wait and say, you know what? We got a little thing going with Tampa here. Or do you jump on this A's thing? But the A's thing isn't feasible because baseball will want to keep uh, the A's franchise in the same uh, geographical location. And imagine if they moved to Portland. Um, all right. It's right near Seattle. They're in the same divisions. Angels, California. Same thing with Vegas. Geographically, it makes sense. Nashville, we keep hearing about. And Nashville is an up-and-coming, uh, you know, it's, it's a pro sports town. It's not a baseball town. It's a football town. Right? It's Tennessee. They love football. It's SEC country. They, you know, the hockey, they pulled off the hockey. But, you know, baseball, it's not happening. I would scratch Nashville from the list. And then you get San Jose that I brought up earlier. Listen, the Athletics tried to move to San Jose before. The San Francisco Giants blocked them. Nothing that uh, a big fat paycheck and uh, bank wire transfer can't change uh, the minds of them. Bring it. It's your lucky day. You found the trusted source for gaming, odds, and more. Go ahead. Kick the tires. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. When you need information, you go to an expert. Not just anybody, but someone who's been right on the money before. So when it comes to gaming, odds, and more, you've come to the right place. You're listening to the Sports Grid Radio Network. The Late Night Anger Management Class, the quickest under 80 minutes in sports talk radio. We're into the three-minute warning. He's talking about baseball expansion right now. I brought up San Jose. San Jose is an affluent, affluent area, right? In, in, you know, in, um, in Northern California, but it's within 150 miles. So that's another thing, too, guys. So, like, there's only a few cities that can actually do it that aren't within 150 miles of another city. Of another city. And another thing is, it's like people throw cities out there Guys, it takes, like, a lot of money and, like, you need ownership groups and politicians, sponsors, land. Like, you need a lot of things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's no willpower for a lot of this stuff in a lot of cities. 
You know what I mean? Like, people in Portland don't really care. There's one guy at Nike that has money. It's like, oh, I, you know, I see, oh, Nashville. Oh, Justin Timberlake is involved. Oh, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? People don't realize, like, it's, it's billions of dollars. I, you know, in the big picture, Vegas will get in. Vegas will be in the big leagues eventually, as if they won't be. Come on. Um, I would already have an MLS team in Vegas. MLS is weird. Like, MLS plays like hardball. Like, they, Vegas have wanted to get into the MLS for a few years, and they're like, you're not ready. You've got to prove yourself in the, in the junior league, in that other league first, the USL. But uh, Vegas, MLS would be a cash cow there. NBA will be printing money. But baseball is a lot of work, man. Right? It's 81 games, guys. Like, not everyone's the L.A. Dodgers and stuff. It sells out all the time. And that's another thing. It's like, put it this way. Sure, if you put a baseball team in Vegas and they were in the same division as San Diego and the L.A. Dodgers, it'd be great. They wouldn't be. All right, their rivals, the Texas Rangers. Oh, yeah, people in Vegas will be dying to go see a Texas Ranger game in the middle of Henderson on a hot July night. They're going to be screwed out of playing Baccarat. Watching a game with the sports book in front of me. Other than that, like Oakland, you're on your own. Later. Sports news you can actually use. Actionable insights and expert perspectives on daily sporting events. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.